Hey there, Anna Guest Jelly here. Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast where we talk about and practice all things body affirming and yoga. Now let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for your enthusiasm about my book. I'm really excited that y'all are excited about it. You're pre-ordering your copies, getting in on all of our great bonuses. So if this is the first time you're hearing about this, you probably figured it out. I have a new book coming out in January. (laughs) We have some really great pre-order bonuses on if you're listening to this in relative real time through January 10th, including 50% off membership in our online studio, Curvy Yoga Studio, during our annual sale, which is December 27th through January 10th. So to learn more, get in on this great savings and get your book basically for free, then go to curvyyoga.com slash book, and I will have a link to that in the show notes as well, so you can check it out. So... Probably not too surprisingly. I have totally had books on the brain this year. Honestly, I always do. I'm a big reader, and you might already know that about me. But this year, it's just like gone to a different level since I've also been writing a book at the same time. So I have read over 100 books this year. And though this took me way longer than it probably should have to decide on, I am going to share my top 10 favorite books with you. This is honestly one of my favorite parts of the end of the year. I get so excited about seeing all of the great top book lists that are out from so many different people and places. Like once it hits December, I'm just over here geeking out like, yes, which top book list am I going to get now? And I have so many books like on hold of the library and on my iPad um, that I can't even keep up with all of them. (laughs) so many books come in at once that I was like, I can't read all of these. And I had to give some of them back for later. So clearly I'm into it. Uh, I'm going to be telling you about those top books in a minute. But in the meantime, I wanted to talk a little bit about what it was like to write this book, because some of you have been asking about the process. And I am always interested in people's process because I think sometimes it feels, it seems to me like it feels like it's easier for everyone but me, and I know that I'm not the only person who feels that way. So I think the more that we can share about what our processes are like, the better. You know, we do that here a lot with our yoga process and practice, (laughs) so I thought I'd talk a little bit about this creativity process because, spoiler alert, It's a lot like yoga. (laughs) So here's the thing. I drafted the very first proposal of this book in early 2013. So almost four years, practically to the date, before this book comes out next month. Now, it hasn't been in active process for four years, but I wanted to give you that scope. So I drafted that proposal, then I sat on it for probably 
nine months. Then I started to send it out and it got stuck in this bureaucracy. And then I finally got the right agent and got it moving forward at the beginning of last year. So the beginning of 2015. So it took several months for the book to get picked up and then a little over a year and a half from there to when it comes out. So while this is in some ways a long timeline because of the year and a half that it basically went nowhere, in other ways it's a short timeline. But I wanted to talk about the timeline because when a book comes out and you're on the other side of it, it feels like, oh, this person just wrote this book and how great, um, which is true. <laughs> and also there's all, often um, quite a bit of time um, before you're seeing it on your side as the reader. So no matter what you think about the timeline, this has definitely been a major practice in patience and continuing to show up and like all caps, big time, <laughs> navigating all of my many, many, many fears, doubts, uncertainties, criticisms from my inner critic, which happened basically 24-7, <laughs> and so on. Um, one of my guilty pleasures, I guess I don't actually feel guilty about it at all, but <laughs> is watching the TV show Nashville. So you might know that I also live in Nashville. <laughs> when the show first came out, I wasn't into it. Um, but then after the first season, I don't know, I think I couldn't find a show to watch. And so I started watching it. And then I got so into it. It's really soap opera-y, which is not usually my thing. Though I feel like I come by it honestly because my grandmother watched The Young and the Restless every single day for years. And if she was gone, she would make my grandfather record it on a VHS tape so that she could catch up later after work or whatever. Um, and I would only ever watch The Young and the Restless with her when I visited, which wasn't super often. But over the course of probably... I don't even know, 25 years or 30 years, anytime that I would go to her house and she would have it on, I would still be able to follow the storyline, almost like I had just watched it yesterday. <laughs> so Nashville is kind of like that. Um, and as I heard on that very profound show the other day, being a creative person is basically constantly feeling like a failure. <laughs> and when I heard that on the show, I was like, yeah, that feels about right. <laughs> so as you can probably imagine, the me of now, almost 2017, is not the same me who sat down to write that proposal almost four years ago. I mean, it still is me, obviously. The heart of the book is definitely the same. But Fortunately, over four years, my ideas have evolved, my yoga and body acceptance practices have grown and shifted, and I've had many more conversations with y'all, and those conversations have deepened. So as the book unwound, new ideas came forward. Some were able to make their way into the book, others were, but only by a thread, just because of the timing of the whole process. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that I might have just like the tiniest problem with control, <laughs> and that has served me so well while writing a book. 
<gasps> oh my gosh, I wish that was true. That is the opposite of true. <laughs> the truth is that I honestly wanted to throw in the towel on this project more times than I care to admit, even to myself, particularly when it was just going nowhere and I was spinning my wheels. And the truth that is also that my inner critic was sometimes and still is sometimes so loud that I couldn't hear anything else. And I'm continuing to practice learning how to show up, not despite my fears, but alongside them. Because I have not found ignoring them particularly helpful, though I have certainly tried many times. <laughs> That's pretty much my MO. But I have found acknowledging their presence to be stabilizing. And the most stabilizing for me has been staying present with myself. Even just last night as I lay in bed, imagining all kinds of future terrible outcomes, which is my favorite, least favorite pastime, I reminded myself and I asked myself, what is actually happening in this moment? Has my book yet ruined millions of lives, as I sometimes fear? Uh, no. <laughs> What's actually happening is I am laying in my bed, I am breathing, I am okay. Creativity, the act of bringing anything into the world, no matter what it is, and honestly, I don't really think of myself as a creative person, and I feel like so many people are in that same boat with me where, you know, I don't feel creative, though, of course, I am creating things often, and I think everyone is in their own way, so we can all own that label more, um, but I think that creativity is a practice, and just like I've learned in my yoga practice, I have to have my support, my props, ready. So here are some of the things that supported me through the process of writing, particularly when I felt like the book was garbage, I had no good ideas, and I never would. So I had a friend who was also writing a book, is also writing a book, and for probably six months during the process, she and I did a daily email check-in. And we were really good about being honest about where we were. So sometimes we would write and say, I didn't write today. Or I wanted to write for an hour and I wrote for 10 minutes. So we told each other the truth. It was really a process of feeling supported and knowing that we weren't alone not a another thing to feel bad about or a way to, you know, really like drive ourselves really hard. Um, for me, that was important to have someone who I could be totally honest with. And because she was honest with me, um, that was a really mutual and supportive process. Other things that helped me collaborating with some great people. So a number of people helped me with this book, of course. Um, my publisher, I also had a friend who took the photos for the book, another friend who did some of the hand lettering for the book, many people who just were cheering me on. So having those collaborators can be really helpful. My actual yoga practice <laughs> helped me for sure. 
there were so many times that I needed to get out of my head, get into my body, stretch because I had been at the computer for a long time, um, just do something a little bit different. And then here's the biggest one, which was, especially by the end, seeing my own process. So when I finished my final, final, final draft of the book, I sat down and wrote myself a letter about my process so that I wouldn't forget next time. Not even the next time I write a book necessarily, because, you know, I have no idea if or when that will happen. But more the next time I need a reminder, honestly, of how I approach life in general, but particularly any creative process. And here is what I found, and I think I'm going to be incorporating these things into my life on many levels. So number one, I am a percolator, which means that I really rarely am able to sit down and like come up with an idea and execute on that idea right in the moment. I am more am the kind of person who says, okay, I need to think of an idea for fill in the blank. Then some time has to go by. Sometimes that's an hour, but more likely that's usually like a day, a week, etc. That's the percolation. It's just kind of loosely in the back of my mind. And then usually when I'm doing something totally different, cooking dinner, taking a shower, going for a walk, whatever, then I get the idea. So I actually have known that about myself for a long time. But here's the kicker. Though I know that that's true, I judge myself for it pretty much all the time. So though I know I need that time to percolate and that when I get it, then eventually the idea comes and that that continues to happen, I can trust that percolation process most of the time, I still, in the back of my mind or often in the front of my mind, (laughs) am constantly criticizing myself for that, berating myself that I can't come up with an idea faster, that the ideas that I am trying to force onto the page are not working, etc. So reminding myself in this letter that I wrote was really important. Some other things I included in that letter, structure evolves. So I had a loose idea of what the book would be when I sat down to write it. I had an outline, but as I wrote, and particularly as I continued to go through draft after draft after draft after draft after draft, and so on, things shifted. And again, what was my instinct to say, why isn't this working? Why can't I get these chapters to work how I thought they should four years ago when I had not sat down to write this book yet? Um, So remembering that structure evolves and that is okay. Important life lesson and creativity lesson for me. Very related to that is you can't see everything from the beginning. And in my experience, in fact, you can't see most of it. So you have to be willing to let go of control, (laughs) note to self, and just get into it and see what happens. Here's a big one. Your old patterns will arise. Don't be surprised. So every time one of these old patterns would rear its ugly head about, you know, self-criticism or 
feeling like I should quit or whatever, I'd be like, why is this happening? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, right, uh, this isn't new. A couple others here, accept help, novel concept, and I can trust myself more than I think. So having this letter, and I talked about writing these kinds of reminder letters to yourself in an earlier episode. We dug into it even more, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you haven't listened to that episode. But having this letter, I've already looked back at it a couple times, and I just love knowing that I have it. And the reason it's so important to me to write it right after I finished finished up the book was so that I didn't forget, because I don't know about you, but you know, if a week and certainly if a month or several months pass, things get blurry. It's hard to remember the specifics of how I was feeling in the moment. So just taking a few minutes to sit down, write down what I had learned during the process was really important. And I'm really grateful to have that as something to look back at. And that's not to say that it will never change. I'm sure it will. But having that as a starting point, I think is going to be helpful. So here's what I want you to know about this book. It's just such a labor of love. I really wrote it to be something that will be useful in your life, I hope. Um, That's really important to me. I feel like both yoga and body acceptance can be sometimes too esoteric, too hard to find a way into, a foothold into. And so... I wrote this book with that in mind, that it can hopefully offer you some concrete ways to create a sustainable practice, whether that's yoga or body acceptance or both, and also how they can come together. Curvy pose options are also part of this book. That's in the appendix, and I focused on some key poses that you can apply the curvy pose options to a lot of different poses as well, and I include that application information in there. I also have in there curvy yoga practice, which is something I've been kind of quietly working on the past few years, and that I talked about in our last episode of this podcast, so I'll also link to that if you have not listened to it. So if, like I said, if you pre-order now, you'll get all the pre-order bonuses. You can check all of that out at curvyyoga.com slash book. This book is absolutely for you. I'm really grateful for your support of me and the book, and I hope that you will just love the book. Also, they did a great job with it. It's so beautiful, so I hope that you'll enjoy having it and getting to look at it too. All right, let's talk about my top 10 books from this year. Now, Just a note that these are my favorite books that I read this year. They weren't necessarily published this year, though many of them were. Okay, so I chose five fiction and five nonfiction. And these are not in an order from one to ten. So I just had to say that because just choosing ten was already hard enough. I could not also rank them. So I'm going to say what the books are, maybe talk a little bit about some of them, and then I'll also link to all of them in the show notes. But I'm not going to go into a long description of all of them, because that might take a while. (laughs) Okay, so my fiction picks are The Mothers by Britt Bennett. 
I'll just tell you I'm a sucker for really good writing, and all of these books that I'm going to tell you about in the fiction category are just beautifully written. I was hooked into the story from the very, very beginning. Next is Another Brooklyn by Jacqueline Woodson. This book is gorgeous. It is like poetry, how beautifully it's written. A Doubter's Almanac by Ethan Kanan. My Name is Lucy Barton by Elizabeth Strout. And Be Frank With Me by Julia Claiborne Johnson, which is just fun. I read it over the summer. I, I loved it. And then also a bonus. <laughs> now, this one's in the bonus category because I am not actually done reading it. But it is so good that I know that it's on my list. And that is Homegoing by Yaw Jesse. Okay, so nonfiction, my top choices are The Living Mala by Nancy Alder and Liz Vartanian. I know and love these women who wrote this book. And I have to tell you, The Living Mala is really cool because it is a bunch of different ways to bring yoga off the mat into your everyday life. Each page is a different, super doable way to do that. Like I mentioned earlier, I love things that are really practical and make concepts that can sometimes be hard to connect with, like bringing yoga off your mat. This book makes it really tangible. Next up, Delight, Eight Principles for Living with Joy and Ease by Pleasant Salicki, one of my very best friends in the whole world. So yes, I'm biased and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Her book is also a super practical approach to living your life with more spaciousness and ease. She is really my role model on these issues, and so I definitely recommend her book. Turning the Mind into an Ally by Sakyong Mipam. This is not a new book, but it's the first time I've read it. It is literally the best book I've ever read about meditation, and I've read a lot of books about meditation. So there you go. <laughs> Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. If you listen to On Being, the, uh, I think, former radio show and current podcast, uh, this is her, Krista Tippett, who leads that show, On Being. Her book is really beautiful. It's a kind of a compilation of everything she's learned through these conversations with people about their spiritual life, but it's also much broader than that as well. It's, I think about it really as like, how do people navigate living what they see as a good life? I always get a lot out of listening to that podcast. And so her book is just like a distillation of all of that. Uh, last on my list, also not new, but I read it this year, Men We Reaped by Jessamyn Ward. Very powerful book. And then for my book, Bonuses in Nonfiction, because apparently I read a lot more nonfiction than fiction. I have six bonus books. <laughs> and I was like, this is too many. But then I realized, well, I'm in charge of this list. So I'm going to put as many on here as I want. Um, Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. In the Company of Women by Grace Bonney. Sex Object by Jessica Valenti. Dog Medicine, How My Dog Saved Me From Myself by Julie Barton. Lab Girl by Hope Jaron, and When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. So those are my top books of 2016. I'll link to them if you want to check them out and see if they might be of interest to you as well. Thank you so much for listening. Let's take a breath together to close. We'll inhale. Two. Three. 
and exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Love Curvy Yoga. You can find more information about this podcast and all things Curvy Yoga at curvyyoga.com. If you love the show, please share it or even review it in iTunes. Both help us get the word out that yoga is a way to come home to your body and yourself, exactly as you are today. Have a great day and curve on. Oh,